Welcome to the Diz Love Podcast with Vanessa and Chris. I'm Vanessa Ferguson. And I'm Chris Johns. We would like to welcome you to show number 83. And for any guests joining us for the first time, our show features things that we love at Disney. And in each episode, we have a guest, or in today's case, we have guests who create Disney magic for our listeners at home or on their Disney vacations. From vacation planners to product producers, our guests can bring Disney magic into your life. And as a reminder to our listeners, we appreciate if you can take time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform where you listen. We appreciate those and we give shout outs to those listeners just like we're going to do right now. We'd like to give a special thank you to user M2547 who left the review that said great podcast love this show. So we really appreciate you taking time to leave those reviews that helps new listeners find us and we always like to give shout outs like we just did today. And Vanessa, you know what the great thing is a great thing to have friends. Yes, yes. And we have friends over at OrlandoVacation.com. They've created exclusive code just for you, our listeners, to receive 5% off lodging for guests by using the coupon code DISLOVE, D-I-S-L-O-V-E, DISLOVE, at checkout. No other guests are getting this discount, only you, because we're friends with OrlandoVacation.com. <laughs> they have condos, pool houses, and other McMansions for you to choose from, and something for everyone. So if you have a small family, they have something for you, or if you have an extended family who's doing a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Disney World, they will hook you up. And so with that, you can book online at OrlandoVacation.com or calling 800-641-4008. And again, our friends at OrlandoVacation.com like us so much, they gave us special code DISLOVE for you to get 5% off. Call our friends at OrlandoVacation.com. Awesome. And with that too, we're gonna we have this is a great show we're having today. We're gonna be joined by Ash, James, and Sarah with Dynamite Goat Trading Co. Their apparel features subtle Disney nods with a touch of 80s and 90s pop culture. Again, if you were born, if your birthday year starts with a seven or an eight, you're gonna love their stuff. Um, they're also the host of their own podcast, the Disney Dependent, and use the code DISLOVE for 20% off their Etsy store. And again, it's Dynamite. Go Trading Co. And again, their stuff is awesome. I already am going to get one of their shirts. So when we go down here in a couple of months, sure. I will be, and again, you know, they might not want me to model their stuff, but we'll get like a, a neck down photo they can use for future stuff. We'll get a stuff. good backdrop. Right? Exactly. Maybe from the back. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll make sure to put that promo code in the show notes for all of you to go shop. Now we are going to talk about one of the things that I love about the apparel that they have at Dynamite Goat Trading Co. is that it really has a nod to details in some of the attractions. And so that made me thinking about the really immersive experiences at the parks. And so Chris and I have rated what we consider the top three most immersive ride slash attractions at the four main theme parks. And essentially, these all have great stories that are behind them. So we are going to go through each of the parks and talk about what we consider to be our favorite, our most immersive experiences. And we've done all of these except for one that we're going to talk about today. And one of the things that I think is also great is that there's just a history and a storyline behind most of these, which I think is what makes them such a great immersive experience. Now, starting out, we usually try to start at Magic Kingdom because that's just kind of the classic. And one of our favorite rides, what's one of our favorite rides that we enjoy doing? Oh, Big Thunder Mountain. Yeah, so Big Thunder Mountain, one of the things that I think is so awesome in the last few years when they redid the queue, it really brought in more of that immersive experience. So, Chris, I don't know. I was interested to learn. I knew a little bit about Big Thunder Mountain. Like I knew the backdrops and things. Um, Walt was inspired with the Disneyland version. They were inspired by like Sedona and some of those areas with the Red Rock. But I didn't really know the whole storyline. So here goes the whole storyline. So if you've not ridden Big Thunder Mountain, it looks like you're on like uh, where there's the gold mines out in the southwest. And so here's the storyline that goes with that. Um, The story is that there was a town called Rainbow Ridge during the gold rush. And when gold was discovered, the miners created this rail system, which is what we ride on today. And what happened was that supposedly the settlers didn't know that the mountain was cursed by the spirit of Big Thunder. 
Wow. <laughs> and what happened is that the spirit would create earthquakes, floods, and things that destroyed the mines and ultimately chased the residents away. So what happened is this town became deserted. And then years later, explorers found this and they started creating these trains again. Um, for thrill seekers to go and experience this. So one of the things is, is it looks like you're in the mine carts, which is super cool. And I think it's just when you're on the ride, you don't feel like you're in Central Florida. I mean, we've been to this, these areas in Utah. And oh, I've been to Sedona. Yeah. I've been out in Arizona. I could have swore. Well, and these are a lot like Utah. I, I've been to Utah. Yeah. So, I mean, you just really don't feel like you're in Florida, Central Florida, when you're on I Big totally Thunder. I totally forget I'm yeah. in Florida. <laughs> so that's one I, of the- I think to myself, why am I in Utah right now? Right, exactly. How'd you get transported there? Exactly. It's all part of the Big Thunder Mountain yes. storyline. So that's a, one of our top picks for Magic Kingdom. Moving on is the Haunted Mansion. And I think all of us would agree with Haunted Mansion, that that's a very immersive experience. As soon as you enter that it's queue- very spooky. Like you go through the, the gates and you just feel like you're on Master Gracie's property. Exactly. And plus, the room has no doors. That's true. <laughs> so uh, there's lots of different versions of the storyline of what is going on in the Haunted Mansion. But I'm going to go with the one that they tell on the Keys of the Kingdom tour, which I've taken that before. I took that with my parents. Chris has not taken the Keys to the Kingdom tour. But listen to this story, Chris. So this you've probably heard Master Gracie anyways, like in the intro of and course. all that. So the story is that Master Gracie was engaged to a woman named Emily. But Madame Leota, who's in the Oh, yes. In the room. Um, she was also in love with Master Gracie. And she believed that if Emily was gone, were gone, that Master Gracie would fall in love with her and they would get married. And we all know that never works, right? So on the on Master Gracie and Emily's wedding day, Leota killed Emily and put her body in a trunk in the attic. So that's where they have the the bride floating the character up in the attic. Very romantic. <laughs> and so, and then of course, as we all know, Master Gracie was so distraught over Emily's death that he hung himself. And Madame Leota was left to haunt the mansion after she assumingly lived a long life, having to have that on her conscience. Very interesting. So this, this is the story that is told by Keys of the Kingdom. I'm sure all of you in Disney fandom, you've heard lots of other stories. But really that, I think once you walk into that queue area, again, another new interactive queue like they have with Big Thunder Mountain. We've had fun playing with some of the things in the queue for both of those rides. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like they have that big like organ on the Haunted Mansion one. So fun things. And then, of course, once you get into the Haunted Mansion, you just feel like you're a part of that whole experience. And I think, what is your favorite part in the Haunted Mansion? Oh, at the end when the ghosts ride with you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think I like as you're coming down backwards, as you go into the cemetery scene, like you just feel very immersed in that whole story. So Haunted Mansion is our second choice for immersive experience. And then moving on, we're going to go to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean is was to be a tradition with my family. That was the first ride that we did on a trip. Because I think you really feel like you're at Disney. Once you go on Pirates, and not only like as you go in the boat, you go down that first drop, but just hearing the song, that feels very Disney-like. I mean, even for somebody like you that didn't grow up on Disney, what is your thought with Pirates? Oh, it's I think it's quintessential Disney. Now, I think the nice thing, too, if you are a big Disney fan like myself, you know that Pirates was the last, of course, not the Florida version, but Pirates of the Caribbean was the last attraction that Walt Disney himself oversaw. So I think we can all agree that if Walt had his hand in it, it's pretty top notch. So those are our top three picks for Magic Kingdom. We're going to move over to Epcot. And this is one that I'm sure some of you might disagree with. And I think in the coming years, as some of the new attractions open, like even later this year with Ratatouille, we might have different answers. But the first one, is this is one of Chris's favorites at Epcot. And these are all in the world. Well, two are in the World Showcase. Um, what is What one did we talk about as our first pick, Chris? Oh, Frozen Ever After. Yeah, so not only is it, I mean, of course, you're already in the World Showcase walking through the Norway Pavilion. You just kind of already feel like you're not 
in Florida, of course. But one of the things that I think is you really feel like you're a part of the storyline and a part of the movie. Our daughter is a huge Frozen fan. It was fun to see her go on that. And as I was looking up information, it's neat to find out that Disney actually brought back the entire original cast to do all the voice recordings. And one of the things is that to make sure that there was very authentic details, they went to Norway, like the Imagineers went to Norway to get inspirational ideas for the architecture, decor, they brought back artifacts that are included in it. And then, of course, now it's been a couple of years, but it was the first attraction to have the all-electric audio animatronics, which means that they're very advanced animatronics. So I think that end scene with Anna and Elsa and Sven and Olaf and Kristoff, that's pretty cool. Those, for once, actually look like the characters. They're very fluid. Exactly. Now, another one, just uh, right really, when you're looking right next door at Grand Fiesta Tour, you have that one we talked about. It's not that the ride is so exciting, but we talked about how just the ambiance in the pavilion. Didn't you agree with like Grand Fiesta Tour? Oh, I agree 100%. Because as you round about in the boat and you see the restaurant and all the shops in the pavilion, you just really feel like you're somewhere in Mexico at night and enjoying that ambiance. And of course, for those of you who may not know, it's based on the, they've added, since they made it Grand Fiesta Tour, it's based on the Three Caballeros movie. One fun fact There's this Fiesta scene in there, and this is kind of a trivia for you. I would hope that you should be able to figure this out. Okay. There's the Fiesta scene at the end, and there's, like, animatronic small children that are in it. Where where are those animatronics also used? What other attraction are they used at Walt Disney World? Small World. Yep. They're the same dolls that are used at Small World. That was a total guess. Yeah. And thanks to our friends at DisneyTips.com for confirming that. So that's a pretty cool thing. And... Of course, it just creates that whole ambiance. Not that it's the most exciting ride, but it just really makes you feel like you're somewhere else. And last but not least at Epcot, we mentioned Spaceship Earth. We kind of went back and forth on a couple, but I think we would both agree that Spaceship Earth really feels Disney. It sure does. (laughs) And of course, most of you probably know about the geodesic dome, but that was by R. Buckminster Fuller. And he created that term. And here's an interesting thing. Not only did he create the term about the geodesic dome, his fame, he has a famous book that's called the Operating Manual for, wait for it, Chris, Spaceship Earth. So not only is Spaceship Earth designed after the shape he created, he also coined the phrase Spaceship Earth. And the idea is that the Earth is a spaceship that has rocket fuel that comes from the sun. And that comes from mickeyblog.com. So we appreciate our friend's over there. And essentially, as you move through that ride, the scenes just make you feel like you're at those different points in history. I'm sure we all think about the Phoenicians. We think about the things in Rome. I think that burning scene when it shows like Mm -hmm. Rome burning and like those scents, those are the things that really, to me, feel different from any other types of parks that you visit where Disney has kind of that edge. So that rounds out our picks at Epcot. We are now going to move over to Animal Kingdom. And another one of Chris's favorite rides made this list. And what, Chris, what was our top pick for immersive rides at Animal Kingdom? Expedition Everest. Yeah. So this, is this your favorite ride at Disney? It has or is to be. It, okay. Well, I didn't know if it was just that park or all of Disney. So Expedition Everest, of course, is in Asia at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And this information comes from our friends at D23. I am a D23 gold member, and I'm also a member from the first year. Um, So they say that essentially what you are is you're joining the Expedition Everest team to go on a trek through Anna Dapur. The trail leads you to a village, which means a fortress of the chasm. And in early years, the Royal Andapur Tea Company shipped tea by train from there through the Forbidden Mountain Pass, but the railroad was closed after, just like with Big Thunder Mountain, after mysterious accidents. And so it was rumored to be because of it a Yeti. So now that the town is growing again, they want to create this company, the Himalayan Escape Tours and Expeditions, has refurbished the railway, and now they're going to transport people on the railway back to base camp at Mount Everest. And as we all know, 
chaos ensues and the Yeti gets the trains again. So that, I think just the whole queue area, I really like walking through that queue just to see all of the different rooms. And there's so many details as you go through the queue for Expedition Everest. And I think that's what makes it so fun and unique to go on over and over again. And I think what's the, what's the most we've ridden that ride in a row? Probably five or six times. Yeah, because we did the after hours party at Animal Kingdom in March 2020. And I, we have pictures, there's like nobody in the train. And we just rode it over and over again. So Expedition Everest, you definitely feel like you're somewhere else. And we went back and forth, but we ended up deciding that yes, the last two picks for Animal Kingdom are both going to be in Pandora. We picked Navi River Journey and then Flight of Passage. I think Navi River Journey, even though there's no storyline, which kind of irks me for a Disney ride. Yes. (laughs) You do feel like you're in Pandora. And there I guess there technically is a storyline. I'm going to share with all of you that according to Disney fandom, here's the storyline that um, you are supposed to be guests are taking down the Caspian River and you're going to you're going through the bioluminescent rainforest, which I really like some of the features where they have the logs and you see the like neon colored like bugs and stuff on the logs. It just is really cool looking. Um, I guess they're called hexapedes and lizards and all kinds of things. And then so after you pass under that, the boats come to the Navi tribe. And there you're supposed to be walking towards a ceremonial site. After you pass a waterfall, you see the shaman of songs that leads you into the musical celebration. After this, you're supposed to enter into a cave as you move on. So still lacking a lot in storyline but i just think it really is a wowing experience as you go on that boat ride yes now moving over to flight of passage if you haven't ridden it it's a 3d ride that simulates where it feels like you're actually on a banshee you feel it like breathing underneath you and it's one of the most immersive rides i think i've been at at anything park in the world that we've visited. And what is your thought? Because, I mean, neither one of us are huge fans of, like, Avatar or anything. But with that Flight of Passage, what is your thought about it? It's a good ride. Yeah. (laughs) The one thing that we got a little irritated on when we were at the After Hours, remember we had to go through the pre-show, like, four times or something crazy? In the pre-show, it was just... (laughs) The pre-show... Ten minutes long. Yes. So we, when we were at the after hours, the two of the queue areas, like the ride vehicles went down. So they made us go to another loading area. But you would think we could have just went to our seats. No, no, no. We had to listen to the pre-show. I think it was three times we listened to the pre-show. And like Chris said, it's 10 minutes long. So I think it kind of takes away the excitement of the ride. Um, But the Flight of Passage, and I think even for someone like you have glasses, and I know you were a little worried, you still enjoy it. Like you still get that full immersive experience. Definitely. Yeah. So Flight of Passage. And now we are going to move over to our last park, which is, of course, Hollywood Studios. Now, the first one, it's kind of a cheat because because we've not ridden it, but I, even though, for those of you who listen to us all the time, we're not big Star Wars fans, we had to put Rise of the Resistance because everyone says, like, it's the most unbelievable ride that you've ever done. Hopefully we get to go in the fall. We are going with some friends that are big Star Wars fans, so I'm sure we will hopefully get in the virtual queue and be able to ride. Now, for those of you like us who haven't been able to ride it yet, you join the resistance in a battle against the First Order. Um, a little bit about some of this. So essentially, Ray tells you that they need your help, and but they need you to come to the secret base to, to get them. As you go through the attractions, you go from a transport ship into the area where you see all the, st- the First Order troopers. So that stormtrooper scene with all the white stormtroopers that people get tons of pictures in front of. And then from there, you go to the actual ride portion where you're in transport vehicles that like take you through to actually help you escape. So there's all these different segments. Essentially, you're completely transformed or transmitted over to the Star Wars world as you go into there. So that's just a completely immersive experience. And I even though we're not Star Wars fans, I from the ride perspective and just that immersive experience, I, I do look forward to riding it. Now, what about you, Chris? You're not I know you're not a big Star Wars, but I think just experience. I mean, for the ride perspective, but yeah. once you get into 
what characters are characters <laughs> and the lands. I mean, I'm just totally lost. Like, I just but Rise I, of the Resistance. I think we definitely want to ride it. Oh yeah, I mean, but in terms of like, again, as a person who has been at Disney before Star Wars was there, like it just seems like it's really Star Wars Park to a, a large degree. Yes. and I could go without. <laughs> well, we'll try it out. We might have different opinions, but it's it's supposed to be one of the top immersive experience. So I would definitely yeah. But that. I think the other side though is like part of the, a lot of these rides you know at least a little bit. Um, but we'll we'll go on the ride. We'll try now. it. We'll try. We'll come back. <laughs> now moving kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, we kind of thought that Toy Story Mania is also one that you really feel. I feel like I'm with the toys when I'm on Toy Story Mania as you walk through with the giant Uno cards and the. Like the Mr. Potato Head and all of those things, you're supposed to be. It's supposed to be that you're going into Andy's room and you're doing these carnival style rides, and the oversized toys and that whole queue area. I just think it feels like you're you're shrunk down and you're one of Andy's toys. I sure I feel the same way. Yeah. So Toy Story Mania, and that's great because that's something that everyone in the family can experience. And last but not least, um, we picked Mickey's Runaway Railway. I would say it's not my favorite thing as a replacement to the great movie ride, but it is really cool to just feel like you're a part of the cartoon and the way the technology is. We had ridden it last March, and then I got a chance to ride it once when I went with my friend for the very short trip earlier this year. And it does, you do feel like you're with Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and like the scene where you're dancing with Daisy. So for any of you who haven't ridden it, essentially you are a guest engineer on Goofy's train and you're going around a park where Mickey and Minnie are headed for a picnic. And what happens, of course, with anything with Goofy, things go wrong, right? (laughs) And so the train cars separate. Goofy doesn't realize it. Some of the guests end up in different cartoon scenes. And then what happens is there's a lot of like three dimensional scenes where you feel like you're with Mickey and Minnie and you're kind of helping save the day. And I think it is a fun experience and it takes, it brings those characters to life in a new way without just using animatronics. So what, what's your opinion of Mickey's runaway railway? The one that was in the great movie, ride? It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) So that was, uh, and Chris has only written it once last year, um, but I did get to write it again earlier this year. And so that information comes from our friends at touringplans.com in terms of the storyline for Mickey's runaway railway. I think all of these show you that, No matter what your likes are or the things you enjoy, Disney can transport you into another realm. And I'm sure all of us could argue for or against some of the ones that we have on our list. There's many more as well, but we tried to pick those top ones for each park. And hopefully you can experience some of those on your next trip if you haven't already experienced them all. And like Chris and I, we haven't ridden Rise of the Resistance. We hope to experience that soon. So take a chance, go out there immerse yourself in these experiences and tell us what you think. So we are going to go ahead and get our interview up with Ash, James, and Sarah. We are super excited. This is the first time we had three guests. So we are looking forward to sharing their story with you. We would like to welcome Ash, James, and Sarah to the show. Their company, Dynamite Goat Trading Co., has all kinds of really cool shirt designs, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. They describe themselves as three idiots from the Pacific Northwest that share an undying love of Disneyland. They have they have a love of 80s and 90s pop culture. They have, they're quite a sarcastic crew and generally they love to laugh. They have a cool podcast, Disney Dependent, which I'll make sure to put the link to that in our show notes. And that just celebrated its first year. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later, but we would like to welcome the three of them to the show. Thank you so much for having us on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now, this, of course, is where we always take some time to hear what our guests enjoy about the Disney parks. And so right now we've been asking people, what is your favorite food at any of the Disney parks? Oh, man, that's a tough question. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) I think right off the top of my head, I, I can't say that anything is going to beat, I'm, I'm going to break the rules, and it's not a food, it's a drink. Okay. The Manhattan at the Carthay Circle, or the Carthay Lounge. Oh, nice. We've That's eaten there be- in the restaurant. 
so good. Is it? <laughs> I this is James speaking. I'm I'm gonna go with churro. Okay. I am a sugar freak. Um, and the churro at a Disney park is about as classic, I think, as you could possibly get. So that that's my all-time favorite. Now, do you go for when they have the seasonal flavors and things like that, or are you just the classic churro kind of guy? I'm a classic churro kind of guy. Uh, okay. <laughs> I won't refuse a special churro. <laughs> right? Churro <laughs> in the discussion, it's on the table. Are you Bet your sweet butt, I'm going to eat it. Right? (laughs) I tend to be a classic kind of guy. James is afraid of change. Right. (laughs) And this is Ash speaking. I I wouldn't say it's the best food by any stretch of the imagination, but something I have to get pretty much every day of every trip that I go on is the key-shaped pretzel with that Liquid congealed fake cheese. <laughs> right? Everything tastes better when it's shaped like Mickey. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> the association. I just, I'm so happy when I'm eating it that it's my favorite thing to eat. Aw, nice. <laughs> I think we all have those Disney comfort foods that we have to get when we're every time we're at the parks, for sure. Now, of course, we want to hear all about your business. So if the three of you could tell us a little bit about your business and the products you offer connected to Disney. Yeah, absolutely. So our business is called Dynamite Goat Trading Co., obviously. And that was really just a a natural, organic offshoot to the podcast, Disney Dependent. And we started the podcast a little more than a year ago. We just hit a year anniversary recently. And again, it was just a natural way of things. We had enough of a a little uh, loyal audience (laughs) that we decided to start making some shirts for the podcast. And then that just kind of spun out of control as all things that we do. (laughs) Right. There's a few, there's great brands out there that are making really rad, original Disney park inspired shirts. And we love them all, but we kind of wanted to do our own thing and make a little bit more irreverent, uh, silly goose kind of stuff. We we are just complete idiots and morons about all this. We're (laughs) Disney. That we know that, and we embrace how, how I don't know, fanatical we are for this stuff. Sure. And so, yeah, and you, you got to be careful. I mean, we're you know we're we're trying to got to toe the line of not making official licensed Disney stuff because that's not what we're doing. Right. We're making like side references to attractions or Disney fandom, um, and hopefully, if you're one of the crazy people like us <laughs> that love. Then you might find one of the designs in our, our our shop for you. Yeah, and one of the things that we really uh, aim to do is to design things that we want to wear, right? And that don't immediately peg you as a as a Disney shirt necessarily. So if you're walking around Target, say in Michigan, right, uh, <laughs> somebody might see your shirt, and unless they know it. They're not going to have any idea what you're wearing. Yeah. They're not going to get it. I mean, obviously, if it's got Mickey ears on it, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> right. We've got to do those designs. But, um, you know, it like our Everest design mm-hmm. is if you've never seen that attraction, you've never been on it, you're not going to have any idea yeah. what that is in reference to. You're just going to see a Yeti with a mountain and think that's a cool design and it looks really cool. Right. And in fact. Oh, this is Ashby King. Uh, I was at uh, Fred Meyer the other day. I was grocery shopping a couple weeks ago, and I was wearing my Everest shirt. And this older gentleman was like, hey, "Have you have you climbed Everest? Have you been to Everest?" <laughs> wow! And I laughed, and I was like, "Oh God, no! Oh, no, I'm just <laughs> no, I've plummeted backwards down Everest. That's true, even- right?" <laughs> Wow. And I know that's one of the things that Chris has always said about, like, he doesn't like when everybody has the same shirt, like when you go to the parks and stuff. You know, and that's the one thing I love about your designs is like, again, you hit the nail on the head where it's, you know, you can wear outside of the park. It's something that has a special meaning to you, but it's at the base of it, it's a cool design to start. And then on top of it, it has a meaning, but to the layman who doesn't, isn't connected, 
like you, just like you said with Everest, it might be something totally different, you know. And with that, like, to just you know, my question would be like for the Everest design, what was that spark of inspiration that said, "Let's make a Everest design"? Like, you know, what was that pivotal point? Well, that was our first design that we ever made, and other than our logo, which our our sometimes collaborator Ryan Hatch designed for us, and we love it so much. But we had just gotten back from Walt Disney World, and the three of us had never been. Okay. Well, I had been when I was three. Right. So it doesn't really count. <laughs> but we had just come back from Walt Disney World for the first time in February, and we just fell in love with that attraction and wanted to do something revolving around that and to have it be like that more subtle look where you don't instinctively know that it's Disney or Disney World or Disneyland related, but you know Expedition Everest if you've been there. You can see the little Yeti. You know that that's a little wink at something. Yeah, and and the aesthetic was originally to be, you know, kind of like mountain climbing adventure gear type brands that you're probably used to seeing. And so there should be some some amount of subconscious um a familiar feeling to the designs that we have. Yeah, I wanted it to look like something that you could buy at like REI or mm-hmm. Columbia. But again, a specific reference to a specific attraction at Walt Disney World. And that attraction specifically because it was the first time Ash said she had felt fear <laughs> in very <laughs> Yeah, that's why it's my favorite. I'm, yeah. I always say I'm dead inside and I'm just trying to chase that dragon of adrenaline. <laughs> The first time that we went on that, I was like, I had a little bit of it. Oh, it nice. <laughs> well, we went to the after hours at Animal Kingdom in March of 2020, right before it closed. And we were, it was awesome because we got to ride that over and over, I think like four or five times in a row. So you would have gotten that feeling for a little while, <laughs> at least. <laughs> now. Now, you kind of touched on this some, but how do you think your products can add Disney magic to the lives of your customers and your listeners and our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, we, we we want to double down on being a little bit different, a little kind of left of center, not politically, just not like <laughs> down Disney shirts, kind of right. what Sarah would There's a lot of that out there for you. And it's something that it always kind of drove us crazy that the Disney fan can be seen as a very squeaky clean person. Sure. You know, you're, you're just love Disney and you don't want any fear or risk in your life. And that's, <laughs> that's so not us. That's so not me. I grew up in rock bands and touring. I, I run a music management company for a living. And that's, so that's the world I come from. We all have tattoos. We live in Portland, Oregon. Sure. We, you have a different alternative um, viewpoint to being in love with Disney. So the Disney magic for us is probably the same for a lot of people, but it, it means so much to me and Ash and Sarah that we wanted to convey that through the filter of being a little bit different, through the filter of being not the squeaky clean suburban person. Not that there's anything wrong. I live in the suburbs. Right, right. Right. <laughs> right. But I think you know what I mean. And so, like, I think we're offering the Disney magic to those people that might feel like a misfit, a little bit left out of the bigger picture, you know, Main Street USA. I am a Disney fan. Right. And, yeah, I am a Disney fan. I have a Mickey Mouse tattoo. This this room we're talking, if you can see it on video, is covered in Disney decorations we've got posters from all the lands paraphernalia paraphernalia. right (laughs) psychos for this stuff and so i think you know that that was really important to us to to be a little bit different for one um but actually be authentically um disney and authentic you know to to this whole thing that we fell in love with so i hope that answered your question yeah i also want to add that i i really like the idea of being able to offer um, apparel for people who, um, like James was saying, don't feel like they would be comfortable wearing, you know, like a Mickey Mouse shirt in the park. But, you know, they're going on a family vacation. I'm thinking specifically of my husband. Right. He <laughs> loves 
Disneyland, but he would never be caught dead in anything that was obviously Disney. He loves the idea, though, of these, like, nods to things. Like our Dynamite Goat Trading Co. shirt. The actual logo. He loves it. He's never been on the Everest attraction because he's never been to Magic King or to uh, Walt Disney World, but he loves that design. And the ones we've got coming out, he's like, I would wear those yeah. for sure. And right. he would never be caught dead wearing any of the stuff you could buy at, you know, shopdisney.com right. or you know, most of the stuff that you see out there. And he has, he doesn't have a problem with it. Like he's not judging people for wearing them. Right. He just so uncomfortable and like a fraud. Yeah. Right. Um, and you hit on a, a neat point. If you would, you know, explain some of your designs and just like the spirit of them, because I think, you know, let our listeners know where they can go to see these, but, you know, kind of just explain some of that, just that aesthetic that you've already mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, first and foremost, we're, we're very new, you know, we're a pretty new brand. We haven't done this for very long. Um, I think we have, so the dynamite goat, dynamite goat, uh, main brand logo that is offered in a few different styles of shirts. Um, a couple colors and t-shirts and then like a long sleeve baseball tee, Raglan yeah. stuff. Um, and then we have the Everest design, and that's that's obvious to the attraction at Walt Disney World. And we recently put out a Disneyland Firehouse T-shirt, and that's near and dear to me. I was a firefighter in EMT for three years. We still have a lot of friends that do it. Um, you guys talk to Flying House Threads. Yes. Very, very good friends of ours. Scott is an active firefighter still. Nice. And that's all, like, in the family. Um it's our one of the our favorite buildings on Main Street. So we have a firehouse design that was like an original sketch from an artist. Wow. So we're, um, and now we have many coming out. Um, on Friday, this Friday, so we're recording on a Wednesday. On Friday, the July second, second, yeah. <laughs> out um, our new shirt called the Toonies, and it's a play on design with the. The Goonies skull from the movie The Goonies, which is very near and dear to any Oregonian. That's like the movie if you grew up out here. Oh, of course. Astoria. <laughs> represent. So we have a few like sneak previews on our Instagram and we'll be putting out like official marketing posts for that shirt like now. So you'll go, you can go to Dynamite Goat Trading Co. on Instagram to check that out. And then right after that, we have. Um, some designs that are more referenced to some punk rock bands that we all grew up listening to. Um, and there's a few of that thing. Um, yeah. So we've got some, some, uh, kind of nods to summer camp coming soon too. Yeah. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. Which, uh, we're real excited about as well. I think that, yeah, that's kind of the trend for our design or that's the theme rather is we're, we're trying to, Use things that might be subconsciously familiar to you right. and talk this this thing that we're all crazy about. Now, if I were to, if I wanted to get one of your designs and let's say I had a trip coming up, how soon would I need to reach out or like how soon would I need to place an order? What's your turnaround time generally for orders in your shop? We're really quick. We don't really put things out unless they are in stock and ready to go. And uh, our our stock is here at our studio. So we're here every day and I ship things out same day or next day typically. Yeah. And it's all, it's all through Etsy and they have um, like USPS priority more mail. Typically it's, it's a few days basically. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And I know that you said that some of your designs come in the different shirt styles. Is that something that you're going to start offering more? Like, are more of your designs going to be available in the different style shirts? Or is most of your shop t-shirts? I think it's going to expand slowly just based on hit and Demand, miss. sure. But yeah, we would love to have more variety. We have some capabilities to do uh, heat press at home. And we're kind of mixing up how we do things in a way that's, um, uh, you know, the best quality for what we're doing. Sure. So different apparel will have different, um, methods of, um, printing, printing. Yeah. Right. Screen printing, sure. prep, direct right. to garment. Yeah. Um, so we kind of mix and match a bit and it's just a learning process and we're, we definitely love to do, uh, so 
Everest design has a hoodie and, you know, we just hit our 116 degrees the other day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we're not, we're not thinking about that yet, but that'll be something that we do. I know James is a hat guy, so he'll be, he'll be on the hat train. Awesome. Yeah. And it's as far as like the type of garment that we're providing, because even just the three of us that are running this thing, we all have a different version of what's super cozy. Sure. What, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like for me, I just like the guy, you know, band t-shirt style cotton shirt. That's hundred percent like. cotton. 100% yeah. Right. Cotton. <laughs> yeah. But for these two gals, they're like, no idiot. That's not what girls want to wear. We want it softer with right. a little bit of neck and shorter yeah. sleeves and more of like the tri blend yeah. style. Yes. Yeah. I agree yeah. with them. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so we're going to be messing around with all types. You know, we want to do tank tops, like Ashley said, hats, different styles of hoodies. If you live in the Northwest, you wear a hoodie most of the year. Zip ups, you know, pullovers, the whole deal. So we're going to have fun with all that. And we also have stickers. Oh, yes. Really great quality stickers. Yes. Awesome. Now, what we'll do is as you have some of these new different designs and things, we'll make sure to share them with people. And one of the things that I'd also like you to just quickly touch on, could you just tell our listeners what your podcast is and a little bit about it? Oh, man. (laughs) So we started this podcast in the what we thought was going to be the end of quarantine. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so uh, we had a, a trip planned to Disneyland and it fell through and we were super bummed. Yes. And, okay. Well, you know, we miss Disney. We miss Disneyland. We miss traveling. Let's just kind of get together and screw around a little bit. And no, in no way did I anyway expect this to still be going a year later. Wow. Uh, thought it was just going to be for fun and it would peter out yeah. as everything that I have anything to do with does. <laughs> uh, but we got together mostly just because we wanted to talk about our love of Disney and Disneyland. And yeah. we knew that we have a lot of other people in our life who are also, you know, of the same mindset and we really like each other. So, I mean, these <laughs> are real, they're married to each other, but James <laughs> is my brother. And so, uh, you know, the three of us like hanging out and we weren't able to hang out at the park. So we decided to get together and just talk. And it has definitely morphed. It started as a very much Disneyland based podcast. Sure. Um, but after not having been there for a year, um, producer Ash has gone completely insane and come up with the most hilarious topics. <laughs> I, I laugh at the point of almost peeing my pants oh, in yeah. almost every episode. <laughs> I mean, she comes up with the most hysterical games and just the theming alone. And she reads us stories and we have bonus episodes on our Patreon. Um, it's it's all over the place. It's kind of a bag, I would say. Yeah. One of the coolest things to watch about the podcast, to Sarah's point, was that, you know, we did have a specific goal. And that was to talk about Disneyland and really Disney in general, but specifically Disneyland. And we still do that. That's still the center of the show. That's still the focal point. If you're at Disneyland, Walt Disney World, Disney Park, and even Disney fan, you're going to love the show. But a, a, a larger audience is tending to like the audience or the, the podcast as well. And it's been fun to hear from people that kind of casually like it. Right. Here or even less. And they find something in our show. They, they find it funny or they find it entertaining. And so that's been really cool to, to watch as as we evolve as a show and become more of a general entertainment podcast. Well, and I think that's something that we've found, too. Like, the people that reach out, it's such a broad spectrum, and I think that's just a true testament to the Disney community. It is such a broad spectrum of people that, from all walks of life, and that's where, like, we found that we will have a listener reach out and one day it's one type of person, the next day it's somebody from the other side of the country who's totally different age and all kinds of things. So it's been, that's how we've experienced our journey as well. And that's been very fun to see. Yeah, awesome. it's such a cool community that I didn't even know existed until a year ago. Right. And met so many awesome people through this. 
Uh, we've had the pleasure of having several of the presidents of social clubs from Southern California on our podcast. Um, and so we've been able to talk to them and, you know, just sort of hearing how everyone loves this thing for different reasons right. and <laughs> what we love about it. And, you know, it is, it's really interesting how people can, um, take this giant thing and make it their own because there's so many different facets to Disney and Disneyland, specifically the parks. Um, you know, people, some people love the pin trading. Some people go just for the food. Some right. people are rideaholics. Some yeah. people love to shop, you know, <laughs> and it's just all the different things that you can find in the parks to love that there really is something for everyone. And that's wonderful. And, you know, with that, where can our listeners go to number one, download your podcast and two, to see all your awesome designs? Yeah, you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. Yeah, okay. Stitcher. Um, yeah, again, I mean, if you type in Disney Dependent Podcast, you'll find it anywhere. Or on Instagram, at Disney Dependent. And that's Disney Dependent with an E-N-T. Okay. Yes. Dependent on Disney. <laughs> We're not a child. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If only. Uh, um, And yeah, for Dynamite Goat Trading Co., you can find us on Instagram at Dynamite Goat Trading Co. And we have links to our Etsy shop from there if you would love to purchase a shirt. Perfect. And we will make sure to put all of those in the show notes. So we'd like to thank the three of you for joining us today. It was great to hear all about your store and of course about your podcast as well thank you so much we really appreciate you guys having us on it was really nice of you to reach out yeah very kind thank you again to ash james and sarah for joining us today don't forget to use the promo code dislove 20 to receive 20 percent off their etsy store and again like they mentioned they're going to be adding new designs on the regular that's a 90s term um and so make sure to go back and check them out and to see what they the cool things they have because again you need a new cool shirt for your wardrobe they have it you want it buy it from them use our code save some money it's all good (laughs) all right and now on to our two minute trivia and our wisdom from walt quote chris you are up with trivia awesome well you know we were talking a lot about the rides. Yes. So my friends over at UpgradedPoints.com, they did a survey of over 5,000 adults in March 2021 Okay. across the country. And so we're going to ask a couple of questions. So we live in Michigan. Yes. What is the favorite ride of people from Michigan? Now, can I ask a clarifying question? Is this from any of the parks or is this are these all like Magic Kingdom? Um, it's from any park, but At Disney. I'll give you a hint. It's Magic Kingdom. Okay. Um, Michigan. Oh, uh, is it rude to say it's probably something basic? No. <laughs> um, maybe uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. No, Space Mountain. Mountain. That was my second choice. What is the favorite ride of people from Florida? Big Thunder Mountain. Space Mountain as well. Is, is the answer always Space Mountain? I would go with that. <laughs> so, again, what is, out of, again, 5,000 respondents, what is the most popular ride at Walt Disney World? In total, in summation, like from every In total, yes. I, I'm going to go with Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm probably Space wrong. Mountain. Mountain. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean is third. Okay, what's second? Haunted Mansion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will do this. Men's most favorite ride is Space Mountain. What are What is people who identify as a woman, what is their most favorite ride? It's a small world. Haunted Mansion. Oh. <laughs> um, so we're going to go on to now to... Um, what about where our guests were from? How about Epcot? What oh, is the okay. most favorite ride at Epcot? For people from Michigan. Well, we are from the hometown of General Motors, so I'm just going to throw out Test Track. Probably no. not, but... Uh, Spaceship Earth. Oh, well, I, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. How about... This is... this is 
this is goofy. <laughs> Nevada and Delaware are the only two states <laughs> whose favorite ride is blank. It is the, just think of the most obscure ride. Living and, with the land. Exactly. <laughs> How I mean, they must have asked farmers that question. Um, what's the most popular ride at Epcot, according to the five thousand people who responded in, to the in survey? Summation? In like, summation, um, a probably Spaceship Earth. Mission Space. What's that ride? It's the one where there's like the green and the orange and like it's the centrosphere where oh, okay. you spin. How about... We don't go on it a lot because people get sick. Um, what about Hollywood Studios? The favorite Is this ride. before... This was This 20, was March this 2021. Year. I'm not going to go with the Star Wars because I think not enough people have ridden it, ridden the Star Wars rides. Actually, no. Star Wars is included, oh, okay. but it's number three. Um, Slinky Dog. Slinky Dog was 10th at 5.1%. Oh, wow. Number one was Twilight Zone of Terror. Tower of Terror. Yeah, that's one we don't ride. Okay, here's this is a simple one. What about Animal Kingdom? Oh, I'm going to have to go with your favorite, Expedition Everest. Yes. Um, what? Here's a good one. What do... California, New Mexico, Michigan, New York, Maine, and Florida, and West Virginia all have in common. Is, is this for one park? Their favorite ride. At which park, though? At Animal Kingdom. They all, all of those wonderful states, all like the same ride. Safari. Ep- Expedition Everest. Oh, <laughs> it's a trick. It's either Space Mountain or Expedition Everest. Exactly. <laughs> so again, thanks to our friends over at UpgradedPoints.com. They have a really cool thing. And again, it just kind of shows you... Um, People in Delaware love living with the land. <laughs> in Nevada, right? In Nevada. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that was great. Very interesting. So go check that out yourself to read more of those stats. And to end out, I think this is a great quote. It talks about imagination, and that's what all these immersive rides are that we've discussed. This is the quote from Walt Disney. Every child is born blessed with a vivid imagination, but just as a muscle grows flabby with disuse, so the bright imagination of a child pales in later years if he ceases to exercise it. So go exercise your imagination by going to Walt Disney World on your next vacation. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Dis Love Podcast with Vanessa and Chris. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Chris. This podcast is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its holdings, and it is intended for entertainment purposes only.